Hello, welcome to series two of Shooting Azimuths, a podcast chiefly devised to allow me to chat to the people I admire the most in education. This series features the speakers who will be addressing the Embley Education Conference that takes place on the 14th of April. To find out more about the conference and to book your place, please visit www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference. Today's episode is a great conversation about the use of technology in schools with Aussie Edio4. An experienced teacher, former assistant head teacher, who now works for United Learning as an education technologist. Well, Aussie, welcome to Shooting Azimuths. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Jose. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, um, well, my name is Aussie Edio4. I work as an education technologist for United Learning. Um, and that role entails helping schools, both uh, primary, secondary academies, as well as um, independence, uh, preps and senior schools with the digital strategy, helping people to really kind of uh, think through and plan, future plan. The idea is to help people future-proof their use of technology in schools and just kind of ensuring that it's not just um, buying what's new, or what people fancy, but uh, buying what's needed and what has an impact. Oh, fantastic. Um, what are the, the challenges that you encounter most often when uh, dealing with digital strategies in schools? Sure, I think um, there are a few layers to answer that question. I think the, the first one really is, I guess it's the idea of just engaging with people mm-hmm. at the level that they are. Sometimes when you help multiple schools, one could be, I guess there's a temptation to to feel like there's a one size fits all. Um, Whereas every single school, even if there are two schools next door to each other, they're very unique. And and also namely because there are individual people that are very different in that school, Mm -hmm. uh, both staff and students. So every school has to be approached. Uh, with with slightly different uh, approaches, slightly different ways, um, and I think the the biggest biggest challenge really is just kind of helping people to really connect with you and see that you have the school's best interest at heart. It's yeah. almost like you're a member of staff. You're not there, yeah, but you want uh, the people that you're working with to feel as if yes, you are part of this school. You want to help drive the vision of the school yeah. and not just push your own agenda on people who are busy doing what they want to do you know and, and I've been in a similar position to yours in the mm. past in a previous in previous employment I was in charge of digital, digital strategy for a school mm-hmm. uh, which I thought I think I always think is ironic because I can't say the words digital or strategy in English properly so um, <laughs> so, so, um, so having been in that position I know that one of the biggest questions to answer uh, to pe- for, for people is why technology at all? Because, because they're happy mm-hmm. using the tools that they've always used. Why should they be concerning themselves with using things they're unfamiliar with? Sure, yes. Uh, and that is the that is the kind of age-old question, isn't it? And we know that um, COVID kind of forced us into this position where we're looking to uh, technology uh, to help 
continue on this learning journey. You know, we didn't want learning to stop. Of course, we want it to carry on. And uh, some of the people that were saying, you know, why technology kind of had uh, a bit of an introduction. I say a bit of an introduction. I know it was really deep end stuff during COVID, but I, I say a bit of an introduction because the level that one embraces technology or kind of delves into it really does vary. So there are many schools who did lots of different things. They can list the software that they use. They can list the methods of engagement they use. But yes, one person's experience of that will be that it was absolutely terrible, you know, and it doesn't work. And another person's experience is, yes, this is amazing uh, and we need to continue doing this. So, you know, this question, why technology, it's not necessarily a, a case of um, computers or applications or software, etc. Really, what we're talking about is efficiencies. We're talking about um, time-saving mechanisms. We're talking about the teaching and learning cycle, how that uh, can be affected and improved, uh, how that can be innovated. Uh, essentially, we're in the similar place now as they were when, um, uh, I guess, they moved away from chalk and slate to uh, quill and parchment, potentially, you know, or, or quill and parchment to pen. You know, you can ask why pen? Um, and similar to some of the I guess the counter arguments I have now, you know, people would say, oh, you know, using pen, you know, the students are complaining of cramp in their hands. It's really difficult for them to get the right grip. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them, the handwriting is not coming out very clearly. So it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, the, 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 that's the equivalent, my version of the equivalent of the types of arguments that uh, we're having now regarding why technology, whereas it's, I, I don't really see that as, uh, a, a question or, or I see that question reveals where people's thinking is that's what yeah. it shows yeah. me where people's thinking I, I think what you mentioned is really interesting the link between the use of technology and 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 teaching and learning improving the processes involved in teaching and learning can you can you tell us a little bit a little bit more about that what do you mean yeah, by sure. that? yeah well well I think that you know traditionally I think you could probably say globally um there is downtime lost when students hand out books. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's one small aspect of our teaching and learning cycle that is traditional. We have books for multiple lessons. Mm -hmm. And if you were in a primary school, those books live in the room. Mm -hmm. And there is a certain amount of time taken where students will get those books and then will hand those books out. People will then have to turn to the right page. Some student would have lost their book, etc. These are normal standard procedures. Um, if all of their work is in one device, that saves time, okay, which can improve teaching and learning. And I won't go through all the areas of the classroom management where we lose time, but there are many. Yeah. And uh, technology does help uh, to, to improve uh, efficiencies. So that's one level of, of things. The other is the, the purview of the teacher. You know, when a teacher wants to um, find out what students know, um, mm -hmm. this is an important part of the teaching and learning cycle. It's very difficult with our traditional methods to have a, an accurate grasp on what teachers know. And I know that <clears throat> there'll be people shouting at this podcast saying, yes, well, I use whiteboards and pens and, and, and that's great. Yes, you can use a whiteboard and a pen. How do we know that that information is from that individual? 
I've had many classes that I've taught when a child has had a quick glance over to the left or to the right, and they've just verbatim copied out what they've seen. And somebody will again be shouting in the podcast saying, well, they can do that on computers as well. I think the main thing with this is that not only is the teacher able to see kind of at a glance where individual students are, but there's many technologies out there now that will be able to kind of give that next level to the students so that they can actually be questioned at that level, almost like it's a personal teacher being there, asking them that next level question. And that's something you don't get from whiteboards. Well, exactly. Well, I know exactly where you're coming from because we've we've had tablets for some time now, a few years. Um, so the use of tablets in our in our school is really pretty well embedded. And very often, when people say, "Well, you can use a tablet instead of a whiteboard," and people say, "Well, you know, whiteboards are really cheap. Tablets are expensive. Why use a tablet when you can use a whiteboard?" But the point is that it, it, tablets are not just whiteboards. They they are scanners. They are you know they allow you to access content. Uh, They allow you to quiz children, they allow you to set homework, collect homework, and like you say, improve the efficiency of those processes Mm. Uh, in lessons. It allows for students to have instant access to extension work or support work in lessons. And all of this, all of those things add up. Um, and, and, And it's the addition of all these things that provides the improvement. Are there challenges? Yes, of course they are, but they're manageable in the same way that you would manage any of the other things. So for me, it's been really interesting to see how the teachers who were originally perhaps a little reluctant to 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 use technology because they didn't see the point. Mm-hmm. Very often they are now the ones who would, you know, just go nuts at me if 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 I decided to cancel any of the subscriptions we have to some of the services we use or take the tablets away. So it's interesting how how this has worked over time. Do you do you get that sense now? You mentioned COVID earlier. Do you get that sense now that COVID has been a little bit of a reset of minds, or are you now seeing people going back to the old why use technology? Uh, I think there's a mixture of both. I think that there's definitely been a, a resurgence or a reset of mind, as you said, in terms of um, people being more open to using technology. Um, I think like every pendulum movement, there's a heavy swing back for some who were just desperate to get back to what they know. And and I think that, you know, the stakes vary from school to school in terms of um, where they are in their their, their results, in, in, in terms of their uh, staffing, you know, the, the, the experience of their staff. All of these things come into play when it comes to it's not as simple as people kind of rejecting technology, but some maybe having seen the benefits are feeling that this is kind of a bit of a luxury at the moment. I need to kind of get a handle on behavior, for example, or we need to get a handle. And there are varying priorities. So I think to the most part, even those schools that don't necessarily see it as their imminent priority, they do see the value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the old uh, the, the analogy about the man sharpening his axe, okay, cutting the tree with a dull axe. Yeah. When do you stop to sharpen the axe is really the question about when do we introduce this technology? We know that the tree needs to be cut. Yeah. Um, sorry for all those who take that as a, you know. <laughs> but we still do the, you know, cut down trees. But hey, if we use technology, we won't have to use so much paper. But hey, um, it's that type of analogy where actually 
maybe someone like me comes into the school to help and assist. Yes, there is this uh, workflow. Yes, there is this um, so the, such a heavy amount of day-to-day tasks mm-hmm. that we have to do. It is almost a lux. It is a luxury to be mm-hmm. able to just stop and think and yeah. ask yourself, how can I be more efficient? How can technology help? And it does usually take somebody external or maybe someone more senior or someone like myself who can come in, maybe has gone through those thought processes, can present uh, success stories where people have actually tried it and there have been improvements. Mm-hmm. Can you um, share some of those success stories for us? So for example, I have uh, in mind a teacher, uh, in, as I say, in a previous employment, I was in charge of digital strategy, let's call him Mike, and he he was the last person to collect his tablet from when, when they were all delivered. It's going back 10 years now. And um, he was very reluctant to get to get it, to get everything installed. He was very, he made a point. He was very friendly with it. He wasn't, he wasn't nasty with it. He was, we were just mm-hmm. having a joke about, about all this. And he, he kept t- telling me how, how useful he's finding as a, as a coaster or as a tray to carry his tea or, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so we were having a lot of banter to, to that, uh, with the use of tablet and so on. And it turned out that slowly he realized that he could introduce the use of tablets in lessons. So he, he, he became he became really good at projecting wirelessly his tablet to the interactive whiteboard. Mm-hmm. So it allowed him to just, you know, circulate around the classroom while explaining things that were being projected directly to the interactive whiteboard, allowed him to sit next to, you know, Flossie and Johnny, who were quite really naughty, and he could stand next to them rather than, you know, stand in front of the blackboard with a whiteboard with with their back to them. So he really found that that and the setting of homework through the tablet and the collecting of homework through the tablet, he found that completely invaluable. Mm. So over time, he went from being one of the most reluctant adopters to one of the most best examples of use. Because, you know, we've always said that tablets are not, you shouldn't plan tablet lessons, you should plan lessons. Mm. And then you should then use whatever technology is around to make those lessons better. Exactly. And he got he got there. He got there in the end. And he is my greatest success story. Right. Uh, anyway, I've gone on for a long time. Is your interview though? Was he, can you <laughs> do you have a story like that for us? Yes. Yeah, so sure. as you were talking, it was just reminding me of, of of several different people. But I think just along the lines of what um, what I'll be talking about at the upcoming event mm. um, regarding leadership, I do remember earlier on in my career coming across um, the skill will matrix. Uh, by Hershey and Blanchard and that really did um, help me hugely when it came to just uh, helping staff identifying where people are so um, if anyone isn't familiar with that the the matrix that kind of plots uh, uh, skill or competency um, against uh, desire or will or willingness motivation right so you have uh, a skill vertically and uh, uh, motivation horizontally and people either fall into one of four qu- quadrants um, so that either uh, high skill high will which is the people that you really you know they, they're your advocates uh, or it's um, low skill high will mm-hmm. or you can have uh, low skill low will or you can have high skill low will yeah 
So you're you're falling into one of those four. And 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 I remember in doing that, I did find somebody who, and those people who have the will but don't have the skill. That I think that's the type of person you just described there. And 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 in identifying those people, it really is a quick win. Some of them have been teaching assistants mm-hmm. um, who have absolutely been tech averse. You know, some of them have been uh, teachers, and and this is just kind of going back over my career, thinking about different people. I'm not going to name names, but, yeah. but quite well, sometimes sometimes you know where they're coming from, don't you? Because they've been they've been doing this, they've been doing it really well, and now you're adding this new thing that I don't need. Oh, oh definitely. You know, and and the thing about it is, you know. It is a similar story to what you told. This idea of the, the kind of uh, the psychological reluctance, not not really seeing the benefits, and not really understanding why they have to use it. You know why it's going to work. You've got methods that work already. To then kind of trying it, and they're becoming advocates themselves. Mm-hmm. So powerful that journey. But um, one thing that I realize about that, I I did not study. Uh, technology at university i haven't got a computing degree um and there's this presumption that you kind of just know technology or you you know that there isn't this journey from not knowing to knowing uh but really i've gone on that journey so in helping uh, my colleagues i've really empathized with them at each step and i think that we can all empathize i often use the um, analogy of the new car Mm. You know, we buy new cars and um, those of us who are, are, are privileged enough to buy new cars, you'll buy your new car and you'll sit there. You want to go forwards and backwards safely. Yeah. You want to be able to turn on the lights. You want to be able to find the radio. You want to be able to find the windscreen wipers, the indicators. OK, yeah. but there is so much more that that car will offer you all kinds of technology, all kinds of efficiencies. You know, sometimes self-steering, lane guidance, you know, and you can turn these things on and off. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, sat-nav, satellite navigation, efficiency of routes that you take, um, fuel-saving, economy modes, you know, the Mm -hmm. eco modes and all all of these different types of of things you can do. Fantastic. people, People quite literally, you can empathize with the people who think, I haven't got time for that. Yeah, I don't need that. I just need to go to where I'm going to. And that's the idea of technology to some. They've mm. got their car. Yeah, they're dry. They know how to drive forwards and backwards. They don't need all of these eco modes and everything. Else. Yeah. yeah, this is it. But sometimes learning those things, you think, how did I ever drive without these? Without things? it, that's what happened mm-hmm. to me with the with the uh, automatic cruise control, um, yeah. adaptive cruise control. It's just like amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how did I ever do that without without it? <laughs> anyway, let's stop here for for a little break. Obviously, that's sure. a great conversation. Thank you. No problem. Hello everyone, I'm Cliff Canning, Headmaster at Embley, a wonderful school in stunning grounds near Romsey in Hampshire. On the 14th of April, we'll be hosting our annual education conference. I'm very excited to share with you the wealth of knowledge and expertise that our speakers have to offer. The theme of the conference is leadership at every level. And let me tell you, it's not just a catchy slogan, it's a call to action. Leadership is essential in every aspect of our lives, whether it's the classroom, the boardroom or the sports field. 
And that's why we've brought together some of the most accomplished leaders in the field to share their stories and insights. But don't take my word for it. Have a listen to our podcast and hear for yourself the valuable insights and advice they have to offer. And once you have a sense of that, head across to our website at www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference and book your place. I look forward to seeing you. So welcome back, Jose. So um, great conversation about the use of technology in schools and and the reluctance that sometimes uh, some teachers. I mean, not always. Some some mm-hmm. are very keen, but when it comes to school leadership, what 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 are the effective models that you would put in front of them? So this is so here, guys. This is what's worked in the past. This is what you should be considering um, if you want to introduce the use of technology in schools. What 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 is this model? Sure, I think. Um... Uh, first and foremost, uh, and, and again, this is going with my experience prior to United Learning, but I've, I've seen there are similar aims as well in this role. Um, but it's this idea of communication and communication with the right people, with with the key people. Because um, as I mentioned, as I mentioned previously, as a teacher, mm-hmm. you don't have all the technological knowledge. You would need the IT specialists to be communicated with and many things I've learned along the uh, 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 in the years mm. have come from working alongside uh, the tech supports on the ground or the IT managers etc yeah. and also the finance uh, people uh, whoever's in charge of uh, in, in charge of finance whoever holds the purse strings that communication network between uh, those three people, in addition to senior leadership, if the person leading digital strategy is not in senior leadership, mm-hmm. it's really important that all four of those areas are singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah. Because any paperwork, any kind of uh, model that you then try to implement, it will fall down if the communication is not there across the board. Um, uh, people will run into roadblocks or people will implement things that are not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So in order to have a sustainable plan, which is really, I think we're in that phase now where people have kind of grown tired of the the, the first implementation. I don't know if you're familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect, but um, yes, I think that we have we've we've fallen off heavily from mount stupid and we've 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 fallen into the pits of despair some people are still there in that pit thinking that it doesn't work but we are slowly climbing out in that slope of enlightenment Uh, and i believe that as we climb out we want things to work we want them to be impactful we want them to be sustainable but often that key element of the communication part um, sometimes that's missing mm-hmm. um, and not not for sometimes it's the lack of experience realizing the the value of those those mm-hmm. key people but it's really this idea that senior leadership they buy into it uh, digital strategy lead they are driving this um, mm-hmm. with that backing of senior leadership the 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 the, the technologists who the people who can know how to implement and deploy effectively they're communicating and the finance people are helping you to see how this can be viable so sometimes people for example will say we cannot afford one-to-one devices Mm. and there might be specific circumstances which actually means financially you really can't Mm. Uh, but in many cases there are ways 
of being mm. able to afford one-to-one. Yeah. Um, but without having the person who understands finance in that mm. conversation uh, and 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 actually buying into the vision as to why, because if the finance person doesn't see why, mm-hmm. and also if they're a little bit tech averse themselves, yeah. you know, because some people do have this kind of, and it might sound extreme, but this kind of dystopian view uh, yeah. viewpoint of technology in classrooms, and you know, children plugged in like zombies to these machines. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So sometimes people do come from that perspective, and and that does inform the way that they uh, cooperate with with a plan and but but i think that's key that that part of it is is definitely foundational i mean for me what made a big difference was the linking uh technology to pedagogy in in, the, in people's heads I, I found that very often um we we tend to think we uh, same we all uh, tend to think about sometimes tend to think about these things in a binary way. So now I have to use technology instead of this thing, so instead of paper, yeah. instead of pen. Mm-hmm. And and t- technology for me has always been an as well as, right, and, and, and instead of. And I think once once I started linking the use of technology, not, not so just we use technology. What's the objective? The objective is not to use technology. The objective is to improve teaching and learning. And it so happens that technology allows you to do it, to do this in these ways and then you highlight the ways in which teaching and learning can be improved and that was the difference between you know that's what made the difference in bringing everyone on board the the senior leaders the 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 finance the head the person in charge of teaching and learning once they saw that connection then the whole implementation became almost a necessity It, it, it just it just you know it just started rolling and gain its own momentum to the point that in both schools that have been uh, sort of responsible for the implementation of the role of tablets, neither of those two schools now are in a position where they would ever consider not using the tablets. You know, mm. like we're talking about the adaptive cruise control earlier. Yes. So they're exactly in that position now. We think, how, how did we ever do it? Mm. And then for me, it's quite funny because you still hear people you still hear lots of criticism about the use of tablets. Mm-hmm. And, and it's because they assume that as tablets are being used in a way that is not used. So they always mm-hmm. assume that tablets are going to bring in lots of problems or behavior issues. And, and of course, on occasion, they may do like any other thing, but it's how you manage these things and it can be managed. Yes. And, and that overall, on balance, the benefits outweigh the challenges um, massively, I think. Oh, oh definitely. And, and let's be frank. I mean, what, what does the future of education look like? What does education look like now? And what does the rest of the world look like now? You know, sometimes the, the, it's clear to see when you walk into a supermarket, they are introducing technology, mm. many different ways to pay for your shopping. Mm. Um, there's a device that I haven't even looked at in my local Sainsbury's where you can pick up other supermarkets are available but (laughs) you can pick up this device and you go around scanning items uh, you know as you're shopping and it kind of totals up how much you're spending you know you've got the self-pay checkouts you've got the online uh, delivery etc you walk into a classroom Mm. you know there is as far as technology is concerned you know in, in many cases there is tumbleweed blowing across you know, the, there are crickets scraping their hind legs. You know, and 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 <laughs> there is nothing there. And 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 all it's almost as if we want to defend that. You know, uh, 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 as 
as uh, an institution, we want to kind of defend our, our, our traditional uh, yeah. approach to uh, education as if to say mm. that these advances in technology everywhere else, you know, you talk about healthcare, you talk about finance, you talk about, um, you know, retail, all of these different areas, you know, that they don't really know what they're doing. They mm. should really stuck to the traditional plan. Yeah, and yeah. we are defending what we need to defend in education and we're keeping things right. You know, if we're really honest, we are behind. Mm. And a lot of these reservations are personal reservations mm. because as individuals, we don't have confidence in our competency, competency in the use of the technology. And right. quite often people have run into issues and that stops them from being able to mentally engage with the possibility of these things being helpful. So with that in mind, and, and to wrap up the podcast now, Oxy, what kind of vision would you like to see in the future? I'm not asking you what we are going to see, sure. but what would you like to see? How would you like technology being used uh, in schools? So if you were, if you had your way, mm-hmm. what would schools look like in five years time or 10 years time? Well, I think that in in my view, I would love for every school to have absolutely solid infrastructure where Wi-Fi connection, internet connection, both in school and at home is a non-issue. It's not, it's not being talked about mm-hmm. and thus providing people the ability to, you know, have equitable access mm-hmm. and, and, and this idea of people not being able to access the internet in certain parts of the country being a thing of the past. I think that I would also um, love to see, you know, a huge cut down in the use of paper uh, and printing. Uh, you know, this idea of kind of printing out worksheets. I want it to die a death, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because really, the, a lot of these worksheets can be adaptable digitally. Yeah. And 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 what's happening, you know, and we're not even going to talk about misprints you know when people print things that don't get used I, i'd love to do a study on that and find out the quantity yeah. of uh, just, just to make a further money. point about the binary thinking whenever whenever people like you and me talk about using less paper mm. they automatically equate that to the loss of handwriting um, oh, and, I, and i'd just like to point out that you can handwrite on a tablet yes and i think handwriting is very very important yes definitely and 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 this is the thing you if you if you mark what I said, I said less paper. Yeah. And, and this idea that there is no paper, I think that yeah. it's 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 really not realistic to mm. have a classroom where there is no paper. No paper. Yeah. So I think that, you know, my view is that, you know, if you are a young child in early years, you would be trained to write on paper, you'd be trained to write on a tablet. As you grow up, you'll be able to kind of pick and choose between both. Mm-hmm. Writing on a tablet should be part and parcel of education, just standard, uh, for many reasons, you know, in terms of just the, the fact that you would have all your exercise books in one place, you're not sifting through for, for revision purposes, you know, for collaborate collaborative purposes, you're, you're able to kind of use the internet to connect with people on the same document and et cetera, et cetera. I know you're nodding, Jose. You, you, I know, you, I'm, I'm nodding. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a conversation that I had with a parent once when, okay. when, when she, she, was, she was quite pleased that we were using tablets because she said, oh, it's so good, Mr. Picardo, because you, you are... Uh, you are teaching these children to use the tools of the future. And I said, no, man, we're teaching them to use the, t- the tools of the present. That's right. That is exactly right. And and this is it, bringing people up to speed 
so that when they step into a workplace, they're not kind of overwhelmed with the idea that, if, to be honest, really, the, the sad part about all of this is that actually students aren't necessarily overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. What they are is they lack experience within the school setting. So at home, they've got these devices. At home, they're able to kind of write and, uh, you know, using a stylus or a, a pencil, a digital pencil. But in school, they're not, they're not allowed. And it's this idea of actually helping students and preparing them, you know, using all of our uh, excellent pedagogical approaches, our expertise as professional educators, mm. but using these tools so that they're not just practicing at home they're not just using it for leisure they're using it specifically they can understand how the benefits of using this type of technology within the subject will serve a purpose in the future role of this job in the future so you know helping students to understand that right now we have conveyancing solicitors in the future we will probably have ai doing that you know more than likely i say the future i'm quite Confident already, that somebody yeah, already, out there now. There's already big firms in London are using AI to help their solicitors. So well, this is it exactly. Yeah. A lot of these kind of administrative paper pushing, uh, a document comparison tasks mm. that we've had humans do for so long, just like the washing machine was mm. a person yeah. with a bucket and with a stick, you yeah, know, yeah, in the factory yeah. stirring around, and it became technology turned that from a person to to a machine. I think that. The, the the idea of um, school utilizing as a tool effectively mm-hmm. technology to develop students, mm-hmm. you know, generate outcomes that would be otherwise impossible, mm-hmm. shrinking the size of the globe, allowing collaboration with students in varying parts of the world as part of this uh global citizenship understanding uh, uh beyond your area beyond uh, uh what you've been exposed to uh there are there's so many things that uh, I, I could go on and on yeah, in yeah. terms of just the future That's of education fantastic. But, well, with, that, with that wonderful clarion call for the use of uh the, the you know the, the the more effective use of technology in schools we're going to call it today that's fantastic thank you so much we really look forward to to welcoming you to Embley once again for the conference on the 14th of April. So um, thanks ever so much for your time today. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you, Jose. I'm looking forward to speaking at the conference too. Thank you for listening to Shooting Azimuths. Please don't forget to check the Embley Education Conference website www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference and subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the next podcast episode is available. Goodbye for now.